everybody, welcome, welcome. I'm very excited today about our first baptism at New City Fellowship. And as I said, we are going to be looking at that from Scripture. And what is baptism? What is it about? What does it mean? Our, our text today is simple. It's Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Amen. Now, just to make sure you're awake, I want you to do it with me. I'm going to say one, and you just go down the list. One. Body. One. Spirit. One. Hope. One. Lord. One. Faith. One. Baptism. One. God. One. Father. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we need you now. We need you to, your spirit to come and reveal to us your word that we might grow and be transformed by who you are and what you've done for us and the grace and promises you give to us through Jesus Christ. So we pray that many would be encouraged this morning, that hearts would be softened to you, that people might see more clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Everybody wants to belong to something. Everybody has this desire to belong to something, especially something that's bigger than themselves. And that's what brand loyalty is about. You know the term brand loyalty? Brand loyalty is uh, I identify with a certain product. I identify with a certain symbol of that product and all that that, stand, that stands for. But what research is saying is people are changing how they go about thinking about brand loyalty. It used to be that you were loyal to a brand as long as it worked right and it didn't fail you. So you would use Tide until Tide did not get that stain out and then you would switch because it didn't work, it didn't function correctly. That's how brand loyalty used to work, but it's changing. Brand loyalty is changing. People are loyal to a brand when that brand makes them feel like it's new every time they use it. So it's more about how it makes you feel. It's not about how it functions. It's, it's not about if it works properly. It, it's more about if it gives you a, a new feeling every time. Kathleen Kusek writes in Forbes, it's not about what's known. It's about what's new. It's, it's not about what's tried and true. It's about making you feel different. And so people will choose brands. They'll choose to belong to a brand based now on if it makes them feel new every time they use it. This morning, Tricia is going to express her loyalty to Jesus through baptism. And make no mistake, Jesus is not a brand. He's the Lord. He's not a product. He's a king. Yet at the same time, he's better than any brand because he never fails. He always works. The blood of Jesus always covers. He's consistent and unchanging. And yet at the same time, even though he never changes, he's always new. Because every morning that you get out of bed, there is fresh mercy and fresh grace waiting for you. Amen. Jesus never fails, and yet he's always new. And so today, as Tricia makes a public commitment to Jesus Christ, the one Lord, uh, she is expressing loyalty to him. But it makes us wonder, what if the tables were switched? Like, what if we were looking to see if Jesus was going to be loyal to us 
under those same circumstances. Like, what if our responsibility was not to fail Jesus or he would switch brands? What if our responsibility was to be new every morning or Jesus would switch brands? But you and I are constantly failing. And you're getting out of bed every morning and it's the same old you. The same person that struggles with sins, the same sins, the same person that, that just longs to leave that old way of thinking behind and just you can't do it. So even as Trisha comes this morning expressing her loyalty to Jesus, it makes us wonder, why would Jesus be loyal to us? Why would Christ not switch brands on us? And the reason is, is because he's perfect in all of his ways. He's incredibly just and righteous and loving and forgiving, and every promise that he makes, he keeps. And there's nothing that you can do to make him disloyal to you if your faith is in him. If your faith is in him. And baptism is a visible sign of Jesus' promise that he's committed to you. It's a visible sign of his grace and his faithfulness to you that you receive by faith. You know, we rightly think about baptism as a time when you're going public. You're testifying of your loyalty to Jesus. I'm going to walk every day for the rest of my life with Christ. Amen. It means that. But that's only one side of the story. It's only one side of the story. We think about baptism, or we tend to think about baptism like a one-sided wedding ceremony. As if we were to go and sit in a wedding ceremony and only one of the people were to make vows to the other one. But in baptism, vows are being exchanged. And the stronger party is Jesus, not the one receiving baptism. Jesus makes promises, visible promises through baptism. And they're not contractual. They're covenantal. Contractual means as long as you give 50%, then I'm going to give 50%. But if you drop down to giving 35, then I'm going to give 35. That's contract. Jesus doesn't work that way. Jesus gives his promises through covenant. Covenant means I am all the way in 110% of the time. That should encourage you. And so as we come to baptism today, we need to think about it a little bit more like a wedding ring. Baptism is a sign of a much deeper truth that is meant to encourage us, whether you have been baptized a long time ago or whether you're being baptized today. It is a visible sign of something much, much deeper. It's a visible sign that you belong. You belong to God. You belong to Christ. This belonging doesn't happen because of birth. There's a misconception in our culture that says we're all God's children. It's not true. Now, we're all God's creation. We're all made in his image. We all deserve dignity, but we're not all his children. The Bible talks about us being children of wrath. What that means is you and I have rebelled against God. Even though we were created in his image, we said, no, thank you. I'm going to switch to another brand. I think there's a better deal out there. And the brand that you and I have all switched to is me. What do I want? What does my heart tell me? I want to follow myself. We have replaced God in all of ourselves. We're sitting on the throne. 
And this isn't just a, like a consumer report. We think it's a better brand. In God's eyes, this switch is criminal. We are betraying the one who has created us, loved us, given us purpose, and saying that we're the better option. God is not desperate for us. He doesn't say, hey, can I get your business back? I noticed you left. Uh, what can I do to win you back over? See, God is righteous and just. We're the ones in the wrong. He has every right to proceed forward without us. He can't just overlook treason, but there are consequences to our leaving him. And the first is we don't know him personally. That's why when we go down to the beach and we talk to people, what do you think God's like? They're, everyone's just kind of guessing because they're not in relationship with him because we're separated from God because of our rebellion from him. But then secondly, we're not part of his plan for life. Death has become normal for us, but it was never normal for God. It was never part of his plan for this creation. And at the end of our lives, we die. And if we die in a state of separation from God, we spend eternity away from him. See, we're headed on a trajectory of not belonging to God. We're headed on a trajectory of not belonging to God, a, a trajectory of alienation and separation because of our rebellion against him. That rebellion is called sin. And our sin is a permanent stain on us that speaks so loudly. There were these commercials that came out a couple years ago and it was for some stain remover. And the idea was like your stain speaks louder than anything you say. And in the commercial, what would happen was a guy would go into a job interview and he'd sit down with his potential boss, but there'd be a stain right here. And anytime he would try and say something out of his mouth, the stain had a mouth and it would be like, bah, 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 and he couldn't talk. But that's like us and God. We have the stain of sin on us that defines our relationship with him and separates us from him. One of the questions that Tricia is going to be asked today is, does she acknowledge this? Here it is. Question one, our predicament in sin. Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope, save in his sovereign mercy? Do you acknowledge the predicament that you're in? Because if you acknowledge the predicament you're in, God provides a savior. The good news is that in God's great love for us, he moves towards us in Jesus Christ, the stain remover. Jesus takes the stain of sin on himself at the cross, is punished in our place. The son of God is condemned as a criminal so that you don't have to be. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, is punished on your behalf. And this is the gift of God that is offered to you that Jesus might be banished so that you could belong, that Jesus might take your punishment so that you could be restored to relationship with God. And when you do that, when you accept that, the stain of sin no longer defines your relationship with God because Jesus has taken that stain on himself. And that's what Ephesians talks about with one calling, one faith. Our faith is in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. The second question we'll ask today is about God providing a savior. In light of question one, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the son of God and savior of sinners? Do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel? And if you can acknowledge your sin and you can by faith 
place your trust in Christ, there's great news for you. The promises of God are for you, and those are made visible through baptism. Baptism means that you have been cleansed, and God wants to give you a visible picture of that. Long ago, God foretold of a time when he would give new hearts and put a new spirit within people, when he would remove a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. Baptism is meant to be a visible picture that God has actually done that. Baptism isn't primarily about how you feel when it happens, but what God is speaking over you once it's done. You have been cleansed and you have been made new. Paul and Titus picks up on these themes and says, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. God doesn't save us because he sees some awesome potential in you. You probably do have awesome potential when you're redeemed, but God saves us because he's merciful through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified, declared righteous by grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Say, God saved me. God Not because I'm good. But because he's merciful. Say, I'm a sinner. But in Christ, I'm forgiven. And declared righteous. Say, the Spirit lives in me. And he empowers me. Amen. That's what Ephesians 4 says, one Spirit. If you know Jesus Christ, then you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. You have been cleansed from your former sins, and you are now being empowered to live as a Christian. Baptism is a promise that that is true. And giving you a visible sign of what God is doing through the power of the Spirit. The third question has to do with power in the Holy Spirit. It says, do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit. Notice it doesn't say uh, upon your own strength. It says, do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Jesus? This is uh, the questions that our denomination does at baptism and at membership. And the wording is a little clunky at times, but basically once this means is, what this means is, can you rely on the Holy Spirit's power to follow Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you and baptism is a visible picture that you've been washed, that he's been poured out on you, that you've been sprinkled clean because of what God has done. Now, if you notice throughout the language, what baptism represents is, is represented in the text through different forms of water. You see sprinkling, you see cleansing, you see washing, you see pouring out. And at New City, we believe that all of those methods are valid. Now, I know some of you come from different backgrounds and um, you're used to immersion. And if you want to talk about that, I'm, I'm open to talking about that. In fact, I printed out some papers to leave on the back table that if you want to read through those and see why we believe what we do about baptism, you're free to do that and we can talk about it. But here's the bottom line. 
Baptism means that you now belong to God. You're his. And he puts a visible promise that you can see and remember back to so that you know, I am the Lord's. When Jesus commands his disciples to go and baptize the nations, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Baptism wasn't, come up, wasn't invented by the church. Jesus commanded it because he wants you to know that you belong to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When Jesus commands that they be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's not some empty ritual. It's actually God putting his name on you. The God who was your former judge, the one who you were so separated from by your sins, now says they're mine, so much so that they are baptized under my name. You belong to God. And baptism is a visible sign that he is now your father. It's a seal and pledge of God's covenantal promises. Baptism means you belong to Christ. Let that stir up your faith. When you're in moments of doubt, look back at your baptism and know that your faith is weak at times, but God's commitment to you has never wavered. You're meant to look back at your baptism and let it stir up your faith for who God says you are and the fact that you belong to him. <laughs> That's why when some people kind of walk away from the faith for a little bit and then they come back and they're like, I want to get rebaptized," I'm like, well, you're forgetting that God has already made promises to you. Uh, you know, if we, if we get rebaptized every time we make a mistake or every time we're like, God, I can't deal with you today or say something like that, we would, get be, be, we would be rebaptized like every other day. <laughs> Baptism is primarily about God's commitment to us shown through his promises. We belong to Christ. And so as we come forward and we say, Jesus, I'm putting my faith and trust in you and my loyalty is in you. You're the perfect Lord. You're the perfect King. Help me to follow you. Have to understand that he's on the other side of that, making promises to us. You belong to Christ. But then secondly, you belong to Christ's body. Baptism is about a visible entrance into the family of God. It's the rite of initiation, so to speak, although that's not quite the right terminology. It, it means that you belong to the church. Now, Trisha and I were talking about that, and I said, baptism means you belong to the church. And she's like, not the building, right? And I said, no, you're right. She said, it's the fellowship. I'm in the fellowship. And I said, yeah, you got it. That's it. It's not about the building. It's about the people. And when you're baptized, it's your public entrance to say, you're now one of the family. You're, you're in this with us. You have rights and responsibilities. We're committed to one another in love. We walk as the people of God. We're one body, as Ephesians says. And that's why our baptism questions are the exact same as our membership questions. Because to be baptized without then walking with a church body doesn't make any sense. If you're baptized into Christ's body, well, the church is Christ's body. And so to be baptized means that you're also committing to walk with other Christians in this tough thing we call walking the Christian life. We do it together. But individualism has made us think about this as sort of a private ceremony. It's not. 
It's a family affair. It's a family party. When Paul writes in the New Testament, he doesn't write to people in the singular. He writes to you all. If you're from the South, you know what that means. That's why communion is a family meal. It's about us together with God. We think about ourselves too individually because that's what the culture tells us to do. But we're in this together. We're God's blended family. We're New City Fellowship. God is not particularly just about saving singular souls. He wants you to become part of a people for his purposes. He wants folks to function as family, which is one of the reasons why we do baptize children. We believe that it's their right into the promises of God. Not that they come at that moment to know Jesus, but believe that the promises of God for them are for them, and that one day they can reach out in faith to Jesus on their own. But they're marked as being part of the family. They're in the body. Romans 12 handles this difference between individualism and the body well. It says, we who are many, we're individuals, are one body in Christ and individually members of it. Everyone's still an individual, and yet they're coming together in Christ and giving themselves over to the purpose of the fellowship. We who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of it. It's one of the reasons why I say, and maybe it's not the smartest thing to say, but I say, look, you don't have to join this church, but if you're walking with Jesus, join a church. Get involved somewhere. We'd love for you to be here, but get involved somewhere. We treat the church as if it's sort of like another place to go and get our passports stamped. I went, I did it, I'm done. But from Jesus's angles, he's like, this is my bride. This is my body. I want you to be part of it, both so you can be fed and nourished, but also so that you can give to it as well. You can participate in the life of the body. And the fourth question that's answered in line with that is about participation and support. Do you promise to support the church and its worship and work to the best of your ability? Not perfectly. No one in this, no one in this room is perfect. No one in the church is perfect. We're all a mess. And yet in that, can we rely on the grace of God to give ourselves over to the work of the church, to be part of the body of Christ? And the last question has to do with following the leadership. Do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the church and promise to study its peace and purity? As we seek to be God's blended family, as we seek to spread the gospel of God's love in this community, as we seek the kingdom, will you follow along with that? Will you follow the leaders? Will you walk in community? Will, will, can we actually help each other grow? Even when that's hard. Even when that's hard. Seeking the best for each other and putting our efforts into growing God's blended family. See, we are on a mission as the body of Christ. And as you belong to the body of Christ, you belong to that mission to live as citizens of the kingdom here in this city to be part of the very center of Jesus's purposes. See, the fellowship, the church, God's people, is Jesus's plan A for this world. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. He's showing his goodness and his love and bringing people to know him through us, through New City Fellowship and through other churches in the city and around the world. And so if you wanna be part of what Jesus is doing, get involved with the church. Ephesians talks about one hope. We are a fellowship of people. We belong to Christ's body, but we have an incredible hope together. And that's that one day Jesus Christ will return, 
show himself to be king, vindicate us for following him, restore all things that are broken, and you and I will spend eternity face to face with him. That is our hope as the people of God. You belong to Christ's body. You belong to Christ. You belong. That's what baptism is about. It's a visible picture of Jesus's promises to us. But I want you, if you have been baptized, to stir up your faith. As you see Trisha get baptized and you've been baptized, remember what God has held out to you. Remember that you have been cleansed. You have been made new by the power of the Holy Spirit who has been poured out on you. You're part of a people that deeply cares for you. You're part of Christ, part of his body. You belong. Amen? Find your parents. We wanted you to be part of what's happening. We're, we're baptizing Trisha. She belongs to God because of what Jesus has done for us. And she now belongs to us. She's part of God's family because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let me ask Trisha a couple questions. Trisha, do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope, save in his sovereign mercy? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel? Do you now resolve and promise and humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ? Will you follow Jesus? Amen. Do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? And do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the church and promise to study its purity and peace? I do. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Trisha, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You belong to God. Amen. Let me pray, and Amani's going to pray as well. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this dear sister who belongs to you. We thank you for these visible promises that you love her, and that she's part of you, and you'll never leave her or forsake her. Lord, we ask that as, you're, as she travels and participates in, in different things, even around the world in the next year, that you would help her connect to local churches. And that when she's here, Lord, that we, you would help us to be an encouragement to her and walk with her. And that you would use her wherever she's at for your purposes and for your glory. Amen. Imani, will you pray for her too? God, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, on this earth to die for our sins and be raised up again, heavenly Father, so we can have a relationship with you. Thank you, God, for Trisha, Heavenly Father. Thank you for washing her with, with your blood. Lord God, we ask for your covering over her life, your sovereignty in her life, Heavenly Father. We ask, Heavenly Father, that the Holy Spirit lead her. And when people see her, they see you, not her, but Father, the Holy Spirit inside of her. Lord God, um, please protect her because, Lord God, there may be some adversaries coming up. But, Lord God, we pray, Jesus, for your covering, God. And we just ask that with this public announcement of devotion to you and Lord God you and her exchanging vows right now Heavenly Father thank you for this marriage thank you Heavenly Father for a new member in the body God yes. thank you Heavenly Father for her heart that you have made flesh and is not cold anymore and Lord God we thank you um, Jesus we just thank you for being here right now in your son Jesus name we thank you Amen, Amen.
congratulations. As Trisha makes her way back to her seat, it would be appropriate if you want to reach out and hug her, you can do that because this is a celebration. Amen.